Act One of All That Glitters Is Not Gold by John Madison Morton and Thomas Morton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Persona Sir Arthur Lassell Read by Alan Mapstone Jasper Plum Read by Algie Pug Stephen Plum Read by Todd Frederick Plum Read by Greg Giordano Toby Twinkle Read by Adrian Stevens Harris Read by Jim Hedrick Servant Read by Rapunzelina Lady Leatherbridge Read by Wendy Katz-Hiller Lady Valeria Read by Matea Bracic. Martha Gibbs. Read by Jen Broda. Stage directions read by Kelly Taylor. All That Glitters Is Not Gold, or The Poor Girl's Diary, a comic drama in two acts, by John Madison and Thomas Morton. Act One. Scene. Hall in Jasper Plum's house in Bristol. Wide entrance door left in flat, showing a portion of the interior of the factory. Large window right in flat, showing exterior of factory, etc. Entrance right upper entrance leading to Jasper's apartments. Table at back and cheval glass, four chairs. Jasper Plum, Harris, and servants discovered. Well, Harris, are you nearly ready? Is everything in a state of suitable splendor? Yes, Mr. Plum. Harris, if you could contrive to drop the ease, Mr. Plum, and pick up yes, Mr. Plum. You would very much oblige, Mr. Plum. Yes, Mr. Plum. Thank you, Harris. Now be gone, all of you, and mind you receive Lady Leatherbridge with all the elegant ceremonial I've been trying to instill into your thick Somersetshire heads for the last seven weeks. Silence, above all things. Yes, Master Plum. Exult servants and Harris right upper entrance. Work people... Left exit in flat. At length the great, the happy day is arrived. This very morning, my boy, Frederick William becomes the husband of the Lady Valeria Westendley, the real daughter of a real earl. Without a penny, to be sure, but with the reversion of a title to her children, so that I, Jasper Plum, the head of the house of Plum, am probably destined to be the grandfather of a peer of the realm. What a glorious wind-up to forty years' cotton-spinning! Past ten, I declare, and Frederick William not returned, and that precious brother of his, Stephen, the eldest born of the house of Plum, I'll be bound the idle dog's hard at work still. Stephen, without left. That'll do, lads, that'll do. Here he comes. Enter Stephen, left entrance, flat. In his working dress, 
patches of raw cotton sticking to his clothes, hair, and etc., he turns right and speaks off. No more work today. A holiday and a crown ahead to drink happiness to the bride and bridegroom. Health to Jasper Plum, and long life to the cotton mill. Workmen shout, Hurrah! Behind. No, there's a nice-looking young man for a wedding party. Stephen, left. Ah, Dad. How are you, Dad? Jasper, right. Not dressed yet? What are you thinking of, you idle dog? Idle? Excuse me, Dad. I was at work before daylight. Work? Daylight? What have you to do with daylight such a day as this? Don't you know that Lady Leatherbridge and her niece, Lady Valeria, will be here presently? Go to that glass, sir. Gaze upon that coat, waistcoat and trousers, including boots and sparrowbills, and then tell me, is that figure Stephen Plum, or a common cotton spinner out of the hundreds in his employ? Well, and what's Stephen Plum, after all said and done, but a common spinner too? A common spinner growed rich, like his father before him. Wasn't his father, bless the old face of him, wasn't he a common spinner too? No, he wasn't. Jasper Plum was no common spinner. He was one in a thousand, he was. Lord, Lord, didn't he used to make the bobbins fly? And didn't he card and comb till his face was as shiny red as a brand new penny bit? Sighing. <sighs> oh, Dad, you were something like a man then, you was. Jasper, smiling conceitedly. Well, I believe I was rather a good hand, but those mechanical types are gone. We are now gentlemen. Speak for yourself, Dad. I'm no gentleman. I was, and am, and always shall be a cotton spinner. Now don't be unreasonable, Dad. Haven't you made Brother Freddy a gentleman? Surely one gentleman in a family's quite enough. Yes, Frederick William's a pretty fellow, a very pretty fellow. Freddy's been wound on a different bobbin to me. Freddy's been to Oxford College and learnt no end of learning. And Freddy's been to London and seen no end of learning life. And if you hadn't preferred living like a bear, you might have accompanied him, and seen how all the mothers, who had daughters to marry, tried to get him to marry their daughters. Even the head of the illustrious house of Leatherbridge graciously condescended to accept his proposals for her niece, Lady Valeria Westendley. The whole affair was moved, debated, and carried in a week, only it was arranged that the wedding should take place here at Bristol, during the family's visit to Clifton, to avoid what we call eclat. Eclat, sir. Dignified. Well, I don't wonder at Freddy. Freddy's a handsome chap, and a thorough good fellow, and Jasper Plum's the warmest man in our parts, and can put a hundred thousand yellow boys into Freddy's breeches pockets. Yellow boys? Breeches pocket? Stephen Plum, I hope you don't mean to discharge such fearful expressions in the hearing of Lady Leatherbridge. Bless you, no. Before them female knobs, my grammar'll be as right as a trivet. Female knobs? Right as a trivet? Stephen, Stephen, the sad truth is, you've got no elevation of soul. Look at your associates, that familiar illiterate fellow, Toby Twinkle, in particular. Don't abuse Toby, Dad. Why, he's the life and soul of the mill. We should all go to sleep if it wasn't for Toby Twinkle. Besides, he'd lay down his life a dozen times over to serve me. I know he would. That's very attentive of Mr. Twinkle, very. 
but though he may be very great cronies in the mill, you might drop his acquaintance out of it. What, can't Toby twinkle? Why, the poor fellow would break his heart. No, no, my friendship is no respecter of places. In the mill or out of it, alone or for company, I'll take Toby by the hand, for I love him, Dad, almost as much as I love my own brother. Oh, Stephen Plum, you'll live and die in cotton. I hope so. I mean to stick to cotton as long as cotton sticks to me. Jasper, taking cotton off his coat. Cotton sticks to you too much, Stephen Plum. I wish you'd stick to cotton, Dad, and get rid of all these fine new silk and satin notions of yours. The idea of your idling away your time, studying parlez-vous français, and then getting that whacking looking-glass, where I seed you making great ugly faces at yourself. Don't say you didn't, cause Toby and I catched you at it the other morning. Ah, oh, we did laugh, surely. <laughs> what you are pleased to call great ugly faces, sir, were postures and smiles to receive my guests. And look at the result. Behold the transmogrified Jasper Plum passed into the state of butterfly out of the state of grub. A butterfly? You? I say, Dad, don't you feel a little stiffish about the wings? <laughs> butterfly and grub. Lord love you if it pleases the old heart of you. You can turn and be a butterfly, bone in a bower. But I mean to grub on as heaven made me. Suddenly serious. Look, you, Dad, winter and summer, in work and out of work, I can manage to keep five hundred cotton spinners, families and all, a matter of two thousand poor creatures, and every man, woman, and child among em has helped to make us rich. For my part, I can't lift a bit to my mouth, but I ask myself if any of theirs be empty. No, no, I must live and die among em. But what need to tell you so? Don't they love you, and you love them as dear? As dear as can be? Bless your old heart. I know you do. Wipes his eyes. Jasper, aside and affected. The monster isn't quite a monster all over. Frederick, without right upper entrance. Bring everything into the hall. Here's Frederick William. Enter Frederick, right upper entrance. Frederick, center. Ah, father, good morning. Another to you, Stephen. Shaking hands heartily. Stephen, left. Well, and another to you, Freddy. Jasper, right. Frederick William, where have you been? Ah, I see. Presents for your lovely bride. Frederick, center. Just received by the express train. A rather costly collection. Jasper, right. Quite right. Let the cost of the taste be worthy of the plums. To be sure. I say, Freddy, talking of the taste of the plums... I hope there's a jolly plum cake for the young lady. Silence, you sensualist. You may depend on the quality, father. Everything was selected by my friend, Sir Arthur Lazell, whose exquisite gout is proverbial. Jasper, right. His friendship, my dear boy, does you honor. Frederick, center. To him I owe my success in London last winter. In short, I am under infinite obligations to my friend Arthur. Stephen, Left. Yes, I'm told your friend, Arthur, helped you to get rid of twelve hundred pounds in a couple of months. I call that doing the tidy, Dad. Doing the tidy? Doing the noble, sir. Of course Sir Arthur will be here to add luster to your wedding. He tells me I may certainly depend on him. Enter Harris, right upper entrance. Here be Maester Tothersight, a lawyer from London, says he wants to see Maester Plum, particular. Bring him to my study, you hot and hot. 
Exit Harris, right. Her ladyship's attorney? When I touch the bell, come to us, Frederick William, to put the last stroke of the pen to the jointure. Meanwhile, do endeavour to give that unfortunate brother of yours some idea of how to behave comme il faut before the ladies. Solemnly to Stephen. Comme il faut, sir. Exit right upper entrance. Well, Freddy, and so I'm going to see your high-born lady at last, eh? Do you know I feel in a bit of a twitteration? Frederick, right. There is no need for it, Stephen. Valeria is as amiable as she is beautiful. I may well be in vain of her partiality. I, who have nothing but fortune to offer her. Then I should say you are well matched, for I'm told she has got nothing but title to offer you. But think how title helps fortune to move on in life. No doubt, aunt. But it do seem to me that without fortune, title can't move on at all. But title commands fortune by extending connection. For instance, my friend Sir Arthur has already hinted at the possibility of my obtaining some diplomatic appointment at a foreign court. I own the prospect warms me. Well, there be no accounting for tastes. As for me, give me a cottage and a sanded floor in old England before all the foreign courts in the world. Ha-ha! <laughs> now, my dear Stephen, you must be influenced by the great change in our family position. You will, I'm sure, forsake these habits of life, leave off personal labor, receive company, see the world, and some day or other, who knows but you may marry as advantageously as I. Who? Me? You be joking. Far from it. Think of a wife with a title and a coat of arms. Well... If you will have me talk serious, I must tell you, Freddy, I want no title with a wife but the title of a fond and faithful woman, and to get such a one, I could manage to do without a coat of arms, or without arms to my coat, for the matter of that. By the by, Stephen, I hope the whispers I hear among the factory people are untrue. What do you mean? What whispers? That there is a certain black-eyed girl amongst them? and that you spoil many a reel of cotton by looking at her eyes instead of your bobbins. What need a whisper in that? Martha Gibbs is the sort of girl any man might look at. I've noticed her. A clever, handsome young creature, evidently full of savoir-faire, and a perfect knowledge of the game. Full of what, brother? She's a perfect knowledge of the game of cotton spinning, and whatever that outlandish word may mean... Let me tell you she's full of just that kind of stuff that every man loves in his own sister and honors in his own mother. Serious, I declare. Serious faith in the virtue of a factory girl. Yes, brother. Serious faith in the virtue of a factory girl. They may talk about discovering this and discovering that, but take my word for it. We ain't made no discovery yet like finding that poverty and virtue can walk to their humble grave hand in hand together. Such a girl is Martha Gibbs. Ah, oh, I've had proof certain of that. What? That's a secret, Freddy. Looking around. But if I tell it you, will you keep it like honor bright? I pledge to you my own. Then listen. For some time gone, months now, Martha Gibbs has somehow run a good deal in my head. But bless you, I took care never to let it out. Well, Martha's an orphan, poor thing, and ain't got one friend in all Bristol. So Dad gave Martha a room in the mill to live in. Just like Dad, that was. Well, go on my rounds at night to see lights out and all snug in the mill. 
I used to see a candle night after night in Martha's room long after regulation hours. This surprised me, this did. So at last I thought of getting atop the opposite wing of the mill, just above her window. Well, up I get. In I look. And there I see... Loud. What do you think? How should I know? There I see her hard at work at... Loud. What do you think? How should I know? Hard at work, writing in a book before her. Presently, up she gets, puts her scribbling things away in her box, locks it, slips behind her curtain, and then, poof, all dark. Next night, the same. Next night, next night, and every night. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Very strange. Perhaps correspondence with a lover? The very thing I feared. I couldn't eat, drink, or sleep for it. I couldn't live without knowing the truth. So yesterday... While she was at work in the mill, I opened her door with my ring key. Her book was on the table. I opened it, and there I read, Loud. What do you think? How should I know? Confused noise of voices outside left. Hush. I hear her. I know her voice within a mile. I'll tell you all by and by. Bell rings right. My father's bell. I must leave you. Pray lose no time, my dear Stephen. And for my sake, throw a little more care into your dress today. I wish to present you to my bride as much a gentleman in aspect as you are in heart and soul. Exit right upper entrance. Noise of voices again. Martha's voice again, and Toby's too. And both flinging along this way. Why, what's the matter? Enter Martha, left down front. Hurriedly followed by Toby, who enters with his back to the audience, sparring and hitting out violently with both hands. Toby left. Come on, one at a time or all at once. It's the same to me. Ugh, cowards. Stephen Wright. Why, Martha, what's the meaning of all this? Martha Center, walking to and fro. I cannot speak. I refer you to Mr. Twinkle, sir. Retires up center. Toby, turning and showing his nose bloody. And Mr. Twinkle refers you to his nose, sir. Stephen crosses to Toby. I heard angry words. Something unpleasant has happened in the mill? Yes, I got my nose broken in the mill. Sparring again. Martha, coming down right. To be insulted like this. I could cry, but I won't. Oh, I wish I was a man. Crosses to centre. So do I. If it was only for five minutes, just for the sake of seeing you give them one for their knobs all around. Stephen, right. Insulted? You, Martha? Martha, center, suddenly. Mr. Stephen Plum, I'd be obliged to you if you'd pay me my wages and let me leave the factory this very day. As if relieved. There. Toby, left, imitating. There. Stephen, right. Leave the factory? You, Martha? No, no. Martha, center. You cannot stop me. You have no claim on me. No claim, Martha, but the claim of wishing to be a friend to you. That's all, Martha. Have you anything to complain of against me? No, indeed, no. You have been a kind master, but that makes no difference. I want to go away. I will go away, sir. But why? Why, Martha? What have they done to you, and who has done it? Nobody has done it. Everybody has done it. 
Except Toby. Taking Toby's hand kindly. You hear? Except Toby. You'll be good enough to bear that important fact in mind. Except Toby. Nobody? Everybody? What do you mean? Now do tell me, there's a dear. I mean, there's a good girl. If you've got the smallest bit of regard for me. But I haven't the smallest bit of regard for you. And so I told them all. Didn't I, Toby? That you certainly did. To Stephen. I'll do her justice to say she emphatically told them all, individually and collectively, that she didn't care that about you. Snapping his fingers. You will drive me crazy between you presently. It's clear, Martha, you've been insulted in the factory. Only let me get in among them. Oh, I've been in among them already. I didn't stop to count how many I'd killed, because when I got this crack on my nose, it suddenly occurred to me that I'd had enough of it. Stephen indicates that he will punish them. Besides, sir, that would only make them worse. No, if you must know, you shall hear it all from me. At least I'll try and tell you. Well, then... Ever since this marriage of Mr. Frederick's has been talked about, there's been a dead set made at me. Oh, oh, says one. Mr. Frederick's going to be married, eh? So's Mr. Stephen, too, says another. And then what will become of somebody not far off that's been fool enough to listen to him, says a third. And then they all look at me and look in such a way, don't they, Toby? Yes, that sort of thing. Leering. There's old Sarah White in particular. Sarah's only got one eye, and that squints. So you may imagine the peculiar expression that Sarah throws into that one eye. I couldn't bear it. What do you mean? I said. What's Mr. Stephen to me? I don't care for Mr. Stephen. I don't care for you, Mr. Stephen. Do I? And Mr. Stephen don't care for me. You don't, do you? Stephen bothered. Why? To be sure, now and then, when I've been dressed in my best, you've told me I was a smart girl or something of that sort, just in your good-tempered way. But as for thinking twice of a poor girl like me, you don't, do you? Why don't you say no? Stephen bothered. Why, Martha... I see you don't, and I told him so. Didn't I, Toby? You did. And then they were cruel enough to say I was nothing but... I can't. I won't tell you that. Stephen, furious. I know what they said. They said... Martha, stopping him. You do not know what they said, because... You couldn't repeat it. The foul-mouthed villains. Cold-blooded ruffians. Old Sarah White in particular. I shall leave the mill with a full heart. A very full heart. I thank you for all your goodness to me, Mr. Stephen. But it's my duty to go, and go I will. No, don't say so, Martha. Do you think I'll let you go, a first-rate spinner like you? Besides, don't I know? Haven't I read? Read? What have you read? Why, I've read... I've read your character, to be sure. That's all, Martha. And now, at any rate, say you'll stop at the mill till tomorrow. Well, I'm sure I wouldn't, if I could help it, disturb a happy day like this. Besides, I long to see Lady Valeria, whom I once knew so well and haven't met for so long. You know her ladyship? 
Lady Valeria? We once lived and loved like sisters. My poor father was one of the late Earl's gamekeepers. A gamekeeper? Do you know I never see a gamekeeper with his gun and his double-barreled dog that I don't envy him? He died by the shot of a poacher. Oh, that alters the case materially. Retires up left. Lady Westonleigh took my mother and me to the hall, fed, clothed, educated me, and made me Lady Valeria's playfellow. Oh, that I could live or die to show my love and gratitude for that woman. But she died young. My poor mother soon followed her. The Earl took his daughter to London, and I went out to factory work. Bell rings right. Your father's bell. Good day, Mr. Stephen. Good day, Martha. I say, Martha, we may as well shake hands. No great harm in that. Takes her hand. That's as it should be. Don't forget, no going away, Martha. What should I do without you? I mean, what would you do without me? No, I mean, what should we do without each other? No, no. I don't know what I mean, but I shall know afore tomorrow, and so shall you. Goodbye, Martha. Why, I don't believe we shook hands after all. I don't think we did, sir. I'm sure we didn't. Shaking her hand again. There. God bless thee. She walks slowly to left entrance, turns, their eyes meet, and she exits rapidly, left entrance. Lord, Lord, how I do love that girl. And now, Toby, tell me, have you done as I told you? Have you watched her narrowly? Do you think Martha cares for me? Toby, right. Well, the result of my observation hitherto induces me to assert, without the fear of contradiction, that I haven't come to any decided opinion upon the subject whatsoever. Stephen left. You don't think she loves another? I'm sure she don't, except me. And of course no woman can see so useful and ornamental an article as a nose disfigured in her defence, as mine has been, without feeling an intense interest in the man whose property that nose is. Pshaw! I'd give, I don't know what, to know if Martha cares for me. Toby, suddenly. Then I'll tell you. And not only that, but I'll tell you if you'll be married, when you'll be married, where you'll be married, how many children you'll have, how many boys, how many girls. In short, all about you for as many years to come as you think proper to mention. <laughs> I forgot, Toby, that you call yourself a bit of a conjurer. You may laugh, Mr. Stephen, but I have an inward conviction that in taking to cotton spinning I mistook my calling that I was born to be a necromancer. Ah, just because you went and seed some conjuring chap at the playhouse six months ago. Conjuring chap? Don't speak in that disrespectful way of the wizard Jacobs, if you love me. Ah, that Jacobs. I dote upon that Jacobs. The style in which he smashed people's watches and changed silver pencil cases into guinea pigs. And then to see him lay eggs. I shall never forget his laying eggs. I could think of nothing else. It quite haunted me. In short, I did nothing but lay eggs all night long for weeks and weeks together. From that moment, I fancied myself a wizard. <laughs> 
and you're really silly enough to fancy that you can foretell anything and everything. Consequently, when anybody wishes to know anything, I say to him, as I do to you, take a card. Presenting pack. Pshaw, my mind's made up. I can't live without Martha. And here comes Dad, so I'll strike while the iron's hot. Retires up left. Enter Jasper. Right upper entrance. Jasper, right. All's done. The papers are signed. The factory folks are perfect in their parts out of doors. The servants are perfect in their parts indoors. I flatter myself the plums will come out rather strong to meet the Leatherbridges. Seeing Toby. Halloa. And pray, sir, what do you want here? Toby, left. Do you particularly wish to know? I do. Then take a card. Presents Pack. Jasper drives him to left. He goes out, left entrance in flat. Stephen, coming down left, aside. Now for it. Plaintively. Dad. Jasper, right. You still here? And not dressed yet? Stephen, Stephen, is it your wish to drive me crazy? I'll do that or anything else to make myself agreeable to Dad, because I want Dad to make himself agreeable to me. I want to tell Dad a secret. I'm in love. In what? In love. And I don't mind to tell you another secret. It's with a woman. In love with a woman? Yes. And now you're in for it. I'll tell you a third secret. I want to marry her offhand directly. The boy's mad. His brother's marriage has got into his head and turned it. You marry? And marry a woman, too? What next, I wonder? Don't be angry, Dad. I only want a wife of my own, like my father before me. So you'd very much oblige me if you'd just name the time and keep it. Jasper, right. Indeed. Before I name the time, sir, perhaps you'll condescend to name the woman. Stephen, left. Ah, now comes the squeege. I say, Dad, you see that hook atop the ceiling? That's just where you'll jump to when you hear who tis. Well, then, the woman I love and want to marry is Martha Gibbs. Now, don't jump. Holding Jasper down. Martha Gibbs. Ha, ha, ha. Come, I like this. There's some character about such damnable audacity. It tickles one to have one's hair stand on end. Degenerate offspring. Do you want to be the death of the house of Plum? Quite the other thing, Dad. I shouldn't wonder if I put a deal of new life into the house of Plum. And do you think I'll ever sanction such an alliance for a son of mine? Never. Never. The voice of all your ancestors exclaims, Never. Never. Then I wish my ancestors would just speak when they're spoke to. Reflect, rash youth. What was this creature, Martha, a beggar, asking charity? No, she asked for wages, and paid you with hard work. And who was she? I asked for her ancestry. She never had any. I asked for her parents. I don't believe she ever had any. Never had a father and mother? Then weren't she a clever girl to manage to do without? <laughs> Reflect like a man, sir, and don't laugh like a horse. I'll turn that intriguing hussy, Martha Gibbs, out of the house this very day. Stephen, agitated. Stop, Dad. You don't. You can't mean that. I do mean that, and I'll do it. Stephen, sorrowfully. No, you won't. You may save yourself the trouble now and the pain afterwards. Martha has given notice. She means to quit the factory tomorrow morning. A pleasant journey to her. Stephen, assuming a tone of determination. I hope so, because I go along with her. What did you say, sir? I go along with her. You, Stephen? 
Go and leave? Oh, Stephen! Affected. Perhaps it's best it should be so. Long's a day I've seen my father and brother are ashamed of me. Stephen Plum. Reproachfully. And you'd have me marry a fine lady who'd be ashamed of me, too. But I won't. And if you won't have us near you, why, Martha and I must love you far away. And so shall our children far away. Jasper, affected. Well, I'll reflect. Let me have time to reflect. That's but fair. I'll give you lots of time. Jasper, aside. That's a comfort. Stephen, looking at watch. I'll give you five and twenty minutes. Eh? Well, I don't mind making it half an hour. Now mind, in thirty minutes I'll return for your yes or no. If it's no, I must pack up my carpet bag. Because I can't go into the wide world without a change of linen. I shall run distracted. Shouts without. Right upper entrance. Ah, those shouts. Her ladyship's at last. Now, Stephen Plum, if you've any lingering love for your half-expiring father, mind your manners. Say as little as possible. And above all, go and put on your new clothes. Don't let the lady see you in undress. Runs out at right upper entrance. Let the lady see me undressed. I don't mean to. Shouts without right upper entrance. Enter the factory workmen, with Toby at their head, all with large wedding favors, left entrance. Lady Leatherbridge, escorted with immense formality by Jasper, then Frederick, and Lady Valeria. Servants in rich liveries proceeding, right upper entrance. Stephen hides amongst the workmen, left. Stephen left aside to Toby. I say, Toby, just look at Dad. Ain't he doing the polite to the old lady? My august Lady Leatherbridge, my lovely Lady Valeria, I can only say that is I... I say, Toby, there's Dad stuck fast already. Frederick, right center. My dear Valeria, how can I express my thanks to you for waving form and consenting to proceed to church? from my father's factory. Valeria, left entrance. Indeed, Frederick, no trace of a factory is perceptible. Every object around blends costliness and taste. Jasper bows to the ground. Frederick and Valeria cross to right at back. Lady Leatherbridge crosses to center. Oh, quite so. And then I quite long to see your people at work. It must be quite a curiosity to see people work, especially when one has never done anything in the world oneself. Stephen, aside. Did you hear that, Toby? Never did anything in the world herself. Toby, left. I wonder how she set about it. Frederick, right. Your ladyship will gratify our workmen by your condescension. They have decorated the factory in expectation of your visit. Lady Leatherbridge, center. Well, that's very civil of them. I should like to reward them to distribute some beer, some cheese, and some bread among them. And then I should like to have them scramble for some copper coin. I wish to make a suitable return for the pretty feeling they've got up. Stephen, left. Feeling they've got up. I can't stand the like of that. Back me up, Toby. Toby, left. I will. Stephen, left, advancing, with Toby close to him. You'll excuse me, my lady. Yes, you'll excuse me, my lady leather... Aside to Stephen. What's her name? Leather Breach? (laughs) Jasper, 
Left center, aside to him. Stop that infernal laugh. Toby, aside to Stephen. I say, if his lordship was like her ladyship, what a funny old pair of leather breeches they must have made between them. Jasper, left center. Now, Stephen, if you must speak to her ladyship, try and speak like a gentleman. Stephen, crosses to center. I will. To Lady Leatherbridge. Excuse me, ma'am, but in these parts it's our way to pay working folks for work, and not for feeling. But seeing you never did nothing in the world yourself, we compute it to your ignorance, ma'am. Lady Leatherbridge, right center, looking at him through her eyeglass. Who is that? What is that? Jasper, right center. What is it? Why... Turning Stephen over to Lev. It's a sort of... But your ladyship needn't mind what it is. Fred crosses to left center, taking Stephen by the hand. This, madam, is my father's eldest son, my dear brother, Stephen. Toby, left. Yes, my lady, these are the two chickens, and that's the old cock. Pointing to Jasper, who indignantly silences him. Lady Leatherbridge, left center. That a brother of yours, Frederick. The information was needed. I should never have guessed it. Fred, left center. Yes, madam, and a brother I am proud to own. His industry and talent have doubled the productiveness of this large establishment. And if our workmen are the best in the country, it is because they work to show their love for Stephen Plum. Placing his hand on Stephen's shoulder. Toby left enthusiastically. Three cheers for Stephen Plum. Cheers. Hip, hip. Hooray! Hip, hip. Hooray! Hip, hip. Hooray! Jasper crosses to left at back. I must get rid of this fellow. Aloud. Here, Toby, go into the refreshment room and see if everything is ready. Driving him to right upper entrance. Do. It will be an occupation at any rate, and I require a little amusement. Toby, coming down. You do? Then I flatter myself I can accommodate you. Taking Pack out of his pocket, presenting it to Lady Leatherbridge. Take a card. Jasper drives him off, right hand. Martha, left, who has entered a short time before and has joined the factory people, approaching and looking at Valeria. Yes. "'Tis she, and how beautiful she's grown. Stephen left, seeing her. "'Ah, Martha, come here and have a talk with your old friends.' "'Oh, no, Mr. Stephen, I dare not.' Jasper sent her in a threatening tone. "'No, you'd better not.' "'Aside. "'Now then, to astonish the house of Leatherbridge.' "'Aloud. "'Frederick William, isn't your friend the baronet arrived?' "'Lady Leatherbridge, coming to left centre. "'The baronet?' What baronet? An illustrious friend of Frederick Williams, who has promised to grace his nuptials. Lady Leatherbridge, left centre. A man of family. We'll await him, of course. Meanwhile, we'll accept your arm, Plum, to the refreshments. Come, Valeria. Valeria, right, crossing to back. Nay, aunt, I prefer the refreshment of a little repose. I will await your return here. Takes off her bonnet and retires upright. Martha advances to receive it. What do I see? Is it possible? Yes, it is Martha Gibbs, my friend and playfellow, dear Martha. 
bringing Martha down left. And pray, who is Martha? And who is Gibbs? Jasper, right, trying to intercept. Nobody whatever. There you're wrong, Dad. Gibbs is Martha, and Martha is Gibbs. Stephen retires up left and crosses to right at back. Valeria, left, to Lady Leatherbridge. The child of the poor woman your ladyship has so often heard me speak of. Martha, left. Yes. To Lady Valeria. The poor woman whom your mother sheltered and relieved. The poor child, fed, clothed, and educated by your bounty. Oh, how happy I am that you have not forgotten me. I am glad to find that you have not forgotten me, Martha. No, one may forget the good one does, but not the good that's done to us. Oh, no. Forgive me if I weep. My heart's so full. Stephen, aside. Poor tender-hearted lamb. Jasper, right center, aside. The sly young crocodile. Lady Leatherbridge, left center. Now you mention it, I have a sort of recollection about somebody or something or other, but my nerves won't bear anything like sentiment. There is nothing in the world so unwholesome as sensibility. So once more, Plum, your arm to the refreshments. Enter Toby, right upper entrance. The eatables and drinkables are ready. There's lots of them. And what's more, they're as good as they look. I happen to know it, because I've tasted them all. Stephen, right, aside to Jasper. Recollect, Dad, about Martha. You've only got ten minutes left. Be gone, sinner. Be gone to your toilet. Allez-vous on to your new clothes. Two servants. Lead the way to the refectory. Madame, the honor. Hands Lady Leatherbridge out, right upper entrance. Workmen shout, and all exeunt at left entrance in flat. Stephen, right aside. I say, Freddy, you know silk from worsted, you do. Looking at Valeria. Ecod, if you don't mind my having a bus at her, bless you, I don't. Frederick, right. Hush, the moment she's mine, you shall. Dear Valeria, let me prevail on you to take refreshments. Yes, do, ma'am. Just a mouthful of something, and a glass of ale. Valeria, left center. Thank you, gentlemen, but do not think me rude, for I prefer to be left alone with my old playfellow, Martha. Stephen, right. You can't do better, ma'am. A chat with Martha will do your heart good. Come, Freddy, do you go and learn the marriage service out of the book? And I, yes, I'll go and put on new clothes. Come along, Toby. Exit with Toby. Left entrance in flat. Fred kisses Valeria's hand. Goes out. Right upper entrance. Martha. Left. How long it seems since we parted, Lady Valeria. And to think that I should live to see you once more and see you on your wedding morning. In a few minutes, you will be the happy wife of an amiable and handsome bridegroom. For you know he is very handsome. Valeria. Right coldly i really have thought very little on the subject my aunt told me i was poor that mr frederick plum was rich that the marriage would revive the fortune of our house that i ought not to hesitate therefore i did not and in less than a week the marriage was negotiated i must say 
A week's acquaintance seems to me rather short. Ah, oh, Martha, the formula of life which girls of rank go through should be better known. At a given birthday, the schoolgirl lays aside her books to go into the world. There she soon meets a man who seems to realise those visions of perfection we all of us indulge. She loves but only to be told that the omnipotent voice of circumstances forbids the indulgence of her affection. Another bridegroom is presented. In the wide world she has not one sympathetic bosom to confide in and weep upon. In mere despair she throws herself on his. This is a history of many a happy bride that poverty envies but should hug its rags for not resembling. Why, Lady Valeria... What words and what a tone! You are agitated, and I declare, a tear. Lo, to her. I am afraid there's some sad secret. No, no, twas but the dream of an hour. The very recollection's gone. I must think, I will think, no more of him. Of him? Of whom? Anxiously. Of no one. I am the bride of Frederick, and, as you say, I am happy, very happy. <laughs> Martha, aside. She frightens me. Tis plain she loves another. Forgive me, Martha, I am grown so selfish. I talk of my own happiness and have not even asked how I can add to yours. You, who have been thrust into the world without a mother's help, without a mother's counsel. No, not without her counsel. For the very words my poor dying mother said to me, are as fresh in my heart as if I heard them now. And do you know... Lo. I've found a way to live after them. A way to live after a dying mother's counsel? Oh, tell me, tell me how. Well, to you, only to you. Well then, every night in my bedroom, I write down in a little book everything I can remember of what I've said, done, and thought all day, good bad or indifferent down it goes in my diary and when i've made a clean breast of it why then i say my prayers indeed next morning the first thing on waking i read what i confessed the night before for example now once i was what you ladies call a flirting girl at first i wouldn't write it down but one day it led me to do a false and heartless thing that very night, down went the whole story in my little book. Next morning, I didn't like to read it, but read it I did, again and again, day after day and week after week. And at last, when I caught myself watching myself, afraid of having such another page as that to write and read, oh, then I knew I was cured. And so, I do believe... The poor, motherless, penniless, helpless factory girl has kept herself honest by keeping her diary honest, too. Oh, blessings on every school, in every village of the land. And blessings on the simple words over the door, reading and writing taught here. Forgive me, don't I talk more than should be? No. And have you never been in love, Martha? Oh, bless you, I don't say so. I don't pretend I've never looked and said, There, I could be happy. But when I know I can't get there by the lawful high road, I just shut my eyes or look another way. 
I admire your courage, Martha, but you shall indulge your attachment, for henceforth it is under my protection. Your master, Mr. Stephen, seems the very soul of good nature. I'll speak to him about it. Oh, not for the world. You don't know. My aunt and the company are returning. We will talk further tomorrow. Martha, aside. Tomorrow. Alas, I shall be far away. Company return. Lady Leatherbridge, escorted by Jasper and Fred, right upper entrance. Stephen and Toby come in, left entrance in flat, in full dress. Toby bows all round. Fred, right center. The hour come, and Sir Arthur not come. We must proceed without him. To Toby. My good fellow, desire the carriages to be drawn up to the door immediately. Toby. Right. I fly. Starts off, suddenly stops. Well, why don't you go? I have my reasons. Aside. I thought the trousers were too tight when I put them on. Backs out at right upper entrance. Stephen, left center, aside to Jasper. Now, Dad, you've had your good forty minutes. Come, your answer about Martha. Jasper, right. What shall I say, unhappy old plum that I am? Fred, advancing. Father, the plan I suggested is the only rational way of proceeding. I know Stephen's character. He will do what he threatens. Let me speak to him. Do so. I give him up. Retires up center. Fred, right center. Stephen, my father has told me all, and he consents to your marriage. Stephen, right. Oh, really? Truly? On one condition. Let's have it. That you postpone it for three months, during which Martha shall discontinue work and merely superintend the women. She shall live with us as one of the family and associate with our friends at home and abroad. And if during that time her conduct prove irreproachable and you persist in your determination, my father, I repeat, promises his consent. Your hand, Freddy, upon the bargain. Here is mine. Meantime, he exacts secrecy to Martha above all. What? Mayn't I just give her a little bit of a hint, eh? Uh, no. Retires up. Three months? Lord, Lord, don't I wish the time was come. Gate bell. Right hand. Jasper to Fred. Your noble friend, at last. Frederick, running to window. Yes, tis he. Enter servant. Door, right upper entrance. Sir Arthur LaSalle. Valeria, left, starting violently aside. Oh, heavens! Lady Leatherbridge, aside. Arthur, here! Enter Sir Arthur, right upper entrance, and comes down right. Valeria, left, aside. Yes, tis he. Oh, misery! Martha, left, watching her. Lady Valeria, why, what ails you? Valeria, left. Nothing. A little faint. Keep near me, Martha. Fred, right. My dear friend, heartily welcome. We began to despair of seeing you. Allow me to present my father. Jasper bows to the ground, crosses left. My bride, my lady Leatherbridge. Sir Arthur crosses to left center and bows to all successively. My brother? Toby, who gives him a patronizing nod. How are you? Lady Leatherbridge. Right center. Sir Arthur Lascelle, can I believe my eyes? Jasper, right, to Sir Arthur. 
What, you know the ladies, then? Sir Arthur, left centre. I have that honour. Bowing to Lady Leatherbridge, right centre. That unspeakable happiness. Bowing to Valeria, left, who starts violently. Lady Leatherbridge, aside. Be still, little flattering heart, be still. Tis strange. I was not aware of the acquaintance. Jasper, right, aside. Indeed. That certainly is strange. Frederick retires up to window. Martha left, struck by Valeria's manner. Aside. She grows worse and worse, and can scarcely stand as he approaches her. This must be, is, the man she loved. I am afraid loves still. I cannot, will not leave her. Stephen, coming down left, aside to Martha. Well, Martha, what say you now? You'll stay where you are, won't you? Martha, eagerly, and still watching Valeria. I will, I will. Aside. To be near her, in her need. Jasper crosses to Frederick, who comes down center. And now, my beloved boy, take your old father's blessing. Embraces him. I've loved you, Frederick, like my own life. Your wife will forgive a tear or two at parting. Wipes his eyes. Church bells heard at back right. Work people enter left entrance in flat. When Stephen and Martha exeunt, they pass across the stage looking out. Hark! The merry bells invite us. My Lady Leatherbridge, the honor of your hand. Follow Frederick with your lovely bride. Jasper and Lady Leatherbridge exeunt at right upper entrance. Frederick awaits Valeria left, who is apparently unconscious of what is passing. At last he passes to center and touches her hand. She shudders and gives it. Sir Arthur Wright catches her eye and bows. Frederick and Valeria go out. Stephen is about to follow them when he turns and sees Sir Arthur looking at Martha left through his glass. He runs back, puts Martha's arm in his, and runs gaily out with her at right upper entrance. Sir Arthur, surprised at being thus left alone, turns and finds Toby close to him. Toby, after a pause, takes pack of cards from his pocket and presents them to Sir Arthur. Take a card? Sir Arthur looks at him with astonishment and exits right upper entrance indignantly. Toby follows. Work people laugh. Shouts outside. Arrow! Mingled with the bells. Curtain. End of Act One of All That Glitters Is Not Gold by John Madison Morton and Thomas Morton.